It's Sunday, April the 18th, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktaller Midnight Church service. We're excited that you have joined us as we worship the Lord together. We pray that you will experience God's presence as he speaks to you through his word and through the songs that we sing together. And this morning, we want to continue our part three message series entitled, The Seven Claims of Jesus to Be the Great I Am. And this morning, uh, in this morning's message, is Jesus the Gateway to Heaven, found in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. morning. Uh, Why don't we open up our service this morning with the hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Please join us.
this morning. Some of you from uh, the local neighborhood and some of you from far off, we welcome you all. Thank you for joining us. This morning I want to start with a few announcements and then we'll go to an opening scripture. A few announcements uh, for this week. Uh, Our missionaries of the week are K&K. Our worship services, if you have not registered and would like to attend our worship services, please call or email the church office and you will be signed a group. We alternate Sundays with two groups of people. And if you're needing a ride to church, you can have a ride. Uh, We have persons who are willing to pick you up and bring you home. Again, please call the church office for more information. The Awana Children's Program uh, will resume uh, in Sorry, will not resume now this spring, but plans are in place for uh, starting again in September. And then, if you would like a 2021 church address and phone number directory, you can pick those up in the foyer of the church. That's it for our announcements. I'm going to read for us this morning a psalm. A psalm that I think is somewhat familiar and uh, touches us where we need to be touched. Psalm 147, let me read. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. So sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him in those who hope in his steadfast love. And that's us, isn't it? Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace on your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters hoarfrost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt with thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, thank you that you have given us life. Thank you, Father, that we can see your handprint, your fingerprint on all that you have made. Thank you, Father, 
that you have called us as a people to gather together and to worship you. Father, this morning we come before you as a body of people who are in need. We are in need. We have hurts and pains. We have grief. We have troubles. And so, Father, I pray that as each one is here this morning, that you would touch us at our point of need. Some need comfort. Some need encouragement. And so, Father, we trust you for these things. Father, we also come before you with great confidence because we know that you raised Jesus Christ from the dead who died on our behalf. And so, Father, it's not with not because we are righteous, but because Christ is righteous that we come before you with our requests. So, Father, this morning we want to pray for our missionaries, K and K. You know that they have recently moved. You know that they are adjusting to a new neighborhood. And I pray, Father, that you would grant to them um, patience uh, to, to work things out. I pray that uh, things will go well for them as a family. I pray, Father, that you would uh, bless them with uh, new connections, new friendships. And, Father, as they uh, go about their business, that they would also, in the process, make uh, friendships, make friends, and lead people to Jesus. Thank you, Father, for their ministry. We ask that you would bless the ministry and their family. Father, we also bring before you some of the programs of this church. We're thinking now of Awana, which will not proceed at this time, but we pray that you would continue and bless this ministry. We also pray, Father, for people in our community who reach out to others, who are in our community to serve the community. This morning we bring before you the members of the Winkler Police Service. Thank you, Father, for their work. Thank you for the, the many who serve there, who take their job seriously and seek to, do, seek to do it well. We pray that you would give them courage and joy in their work and uh, that they would also receive the respect from this community for the work that they do. And, Father... We also want to remember this morning Pembina Valley Pregnancy Care Center. Thank you for their ministry in this community. And I pray, Father, that you would um, equip them with wisdom, with the finances that they need, with the prayer support that they need to reach out and touch young lives uh, who face the crisis of an unwanted pregnancy or an unplanned pregnancy. Father, there are many needs uh, that surround that, and we pray that you would equip those who work there to answer those needs. And now, Father, I pray that you would bless us as a body, bless our worship, uh, our fellowship, uh, not only in this hour, but also throughout the week. And I pray, Father, that as we also give of the abundance with which you have blessed us, that you would use it also for the building of your kingdom and for the glory of your name. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you join us in singing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us.
Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to Sinful though we be, thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, we will early turn to thee. Blessed to thy will, blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our bosoms fill, blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still, blessed Join us uh, for the next hymn called Marvelous Grace. That is greater than all of 
marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Good morning, boys and girls. We've just celebrated Easter. When we think about how Jesus died for us and rose from the dead so that we can live with him forever in heaven. And the reason he did this is because he loves us so very much. Now we have other people who love us too, like our parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters, and our friends. But no one loves us as much as God does. Can you guess how much he loves you? Today's story is called, Guess How Much I Love You. And it's a story about a father rabbit whose name is Big Nut Brown Hare. Now a hare is just sort of like a rabbit, but it has longer ears and it's bigger, it has longer legs. Well, Big Nut Brown Hare is telling his son, Little Nut Brown Hare, how much he loves him. So let's read the story. Guess how much I love you. Little Nut Brown Hare, who was going to bed, held on tight to Big Nut Brown Hare's very long ears. He wanted to be sure that Big Nut Brown Hare was listening. Guess how much I love you, he said. Oh, I don't think I could guess that, said Big Nut Brown Hare. This much, said Little Nut Brown Hare, stretching out his arms as wide as they could go. Big Nut Brown Hare had even longer arms, but I love you this much, he said. Hmm, that is a lot, thought Little Nut Brown Hare. I love you as high as I can reach, said Little Nut Brown Hare. I love you as high as I can reach, said Big Nut Brown Hare. That is very high, thought Little Nut Brown Hare. I wish I had arms like that. Then Little Nut Brown Hare had a good idea. He tumbled upside down and reached up the tree trunk with his feet. I love you all the way up to my toes, he said. And I love you all the way up to your toes, said Big Nut Brown Hare, swinging him up over his head. I love you as high as I can hop, laughed Little Nut Brown Hare, bouncing up and down. But I love you as high as I can hop, smiled Big Nut Brown Hare, and he hopped so high that his ears touched the branches above. That's good hopping, thought Little Nut Brown Hare. I wish I could hop like that. I love you all the way down the lane as far as the river, cried Little Nut Brown Hare. I love you across the river and over the hills, said Big Nut Brown Hare. That's very far, thought Little Nut Brown Hare. He was almost too sleepy to think anymore. Then he looked beyond the thorn bushes, out into the big dark night, Nothing could be farther than the sky. 
"I love you right up to the moon," he said, and closed his eyes. "Oh, that's far," said Big Nut Brown Hair. "That is very, very far." Big Nut Brown Hair settled Little Nut Brown Hair into his bed of leaves. He leaned over and kissed him good night. Then he lay down close by and whispered with a smile, "I love you right up to the moon, and back." Can you guess how much God loves you? The Bible is the book where God tells us how much He loves us. So let's take a look at some verses that talk about this. John three verse sixteen. We all know that one. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. In First John four verse nine, it says, "This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him." Now, just as little Nut Brown Hair said that he loved his dad right up to the moon, well, God tells us that too, in Psalm one hundred and three, verses eleven and twelve. He says, "For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him, and as far as the east is from the west." So far has God removed our sins from us. That is amazing love. And in First John three verse one, it says, "How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should become children of God." So He loves us so much that He calls us His children. These are only a few verses that tell tell us about God's love for us. I'm sure you could find many more. So, what can we do to thank God for loving us so much? It tells us in First John four verse nineteen. It says, "We love because He first loved us." Let's try to show love to everyone we meet today. Let's pray. Dear God. Thank you for telling us how much you love us in the Bible. We can't understand how wonderful your love is, but we can accept it and show that love to others. Help us to do that every day. Amen. Scripture reading for today is taken from、uh, Revelations twenty-one verses one to eight and twenty-two to twenty-seven. A new heaven and a new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them." They will be his people, and the God Himself will be with them, and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. <clears throat> There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated at the th- on the throne said, "I'm making everything new." Then he said, "Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true." He said to me, "It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I'll be their God, and they they will be my children. But the cowardly, and the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts." The idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then, verse twenty-two to twenty-seven. I did, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple.
The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Gated communities are becoming more and more prevalent across North America. In an article posted in the June of 220 by the Bilino RC team entitled Top Gated Communities in the Greater Toronto Area, he says this, and I quote, Gated residential communities have so much to offer their residents. For some, it is the prestige of the exclusive and well-planned community, especially when combined with large, luxurious residents and stately manicured grounds. For others, it is a lifestyle featured and amenities for the golf course to pools to well-appointed community centers. The final reason that many cite Choosing a gated community is added security along with the obvious gated part. There are other measures like gate guards, fences, and cameras. Now here in Canada, gated communities are far less common than they are south of the border. This is partly due to the reduced concerns over security, taking away one of the primary attractions of these communities, but also due to the restrictions on exactly how gated gated communities can be. Close quote. I find this very interesting, that one of the primary reasons for people who would want to live in gated communities is the gate guards, the fences, and the cameras. And many people desire security, safety, and protection. And this morning, as we continue in our message series entitled, The Seven Claims of Jesus to Be the Great I Am, we want to look at how Jesus is the only gate into a community such as this, which is called heaven. Then also how he provides security, safety, and protection for those who will follow him. And in the first message um, that I brought, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said this against the backdrop of feeding the 5,000 people. In the second message that I brought, um, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he said this against the Passover celebration backdrop when four massive torches were lit to resemble the pillar pillar of fire that God led the children of Israel to the promised land. And today we want to examine two statement claims. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd, found in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. So take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Let me read for you, starting at verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The watchman's open the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he brought, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So he who sees the wolf coming, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and run away. Run away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I laid down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Close quote. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you to look into your word once more, we understand that you sent Jesus into the world, and he is the gate to heaven. He is the good shepherd. He is the great I am. And so as we come before you, Lord, we would ask that you would speak to your word once more. Help us to understand more fully who Jesus Christ is, and so that we will follow as sheep, and we will hear his voice. We will listen, we will come to him, we will follow, and we will be obedient. I pray now, Lord, once more, go with us into the rest of this service so that we will hear and understand your voice. For this we pray, amen. In this passage, Jesus makes two claims. First, that he is the gate, and second, that he is the good shepherd. So what is the, what is a shepherd? Well, Tyndale Bible Dictionary defines shepherd as this. One who took complete complete care of the flock of sheep. His task was to find grass and water for the sheep, to protect them from wild animals, to look for and restore them that strayed, to lead the flock out of the fold each day, and to return the flock to the fold at the close of the day. Now, he goes on to say this, the figure of the shepherd and his sheep is important in the New Testament. Jesus is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep, Matthew 18, verses 10 through 14, and Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. The analogy of the shepherd and the flock find rich expression in Psalm chapter 23, Ezekiel 34, and John chapter 10. God was the shepherd of Israel. We can find that in the Old Testament. Genesis uh, chapter 49, verse 24, Psalms 23, 1, and then Isaiah 40, verse 11. And when unfaithful shepherds failed Israel, God intervened and appointed David as the faithful shepherd over them. So the Old Testament paints a beautiful picture of David and God himself as shepherds. However, ultimately, Jesus came from David's line and would be the perfect shepherd laying his life down for his sheep. And I've entitled this message, Jesus, the Gate of Heaven. Jesus, the Gate of Heaven, number one, identifies the qualities of of the true shepherd, verses 1 through 7, identifies the qualities of a true shepherd, verses 1 through 7. The first verses, first seven verses describe how we can distinguish between a true and a false shepherd. Once again, Jesus uses a setting that the people who were listening to him were very familiar with. The sheep's pen consisted of a fenced-off made area made out of stone. And there was only one way to enter that pen, which was um, to come through the gate. And only a real or a true shepherd would enter the way. And everyone else was a thief and a robber and would try entering another way. And the true shepherd doesn't have to use deception. So the question is, 
Who were these thieves and robbers? Well, they were the religious leaders at this time, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or anyone else seeking to lead the sheep astray. The watchman is the person who opens the gate for the shepherd. More than likely, he does not have a counterpart in real life, but rather is a part of the story that helps the meaning unfold. The watchman always points people to Jesus Christ. Now notice, in this fenced-off pen, there is more than one flock of sheep. Not everyone who follows the master, not everyone who follows the master because of all the sheep do not belong to him. The shepherd calls each of the sheep by name, and they obey him. And what amazing picture Jesus paints of himself as he cares for believers today. He knows each person by name. The Lord is personally acquainted with them. He knows all about them. He takes care of him, and he's watching over them. Now, it's essential to see that the Lord does not drive his sheep, but instead he leads them. In Western society, a shepherd will have dogs that chase sheep, but in Eastern culture, the shepherd personally leads by example. False shepherds and teachers don't lead by examples of a holy life. They can't. We have all heard that sheep are not the most intelligent animals, so they need a shepherd. However, we learn the opposite here, and that is the sheep will never follow a stranger. They will run away from the stranger. Now, Gerald L. Bouchard says this. Let me quote. He says, Having taught in Israel, two illustrations have become seared in my memory concerning eastern shepherds and their sheep. He goes on to say, Of the two pictures, one is that of a shepherd leading his sheep through the city of Jerusalem just outside of Jaffa Gate. Cars are whizzing by while the shepherd sang and gently whistled to his sheep. And they dutifully followed him despite all the bustling traffic nearby. Now here's the other picture. The other picture is that of an early morning with the Bedouins, which are nomadic Arabs, when the shepherd began to lead their sheep out of the sheepfold, which contained combined flocks of four sheep. So picture that. Four flocks in one sheephole, sheep place. As each shepherd took his turn and began to sing and call his sheep, they dutifully separated from the larger flock and began to follow him to the hills for their daylight feeding. Close quote. I want you to think about this. What a picture this is. The sheep were able to identify the shepherd because the shepherd had a personal relationship with the sheep. They knew his voice. He cared for him. He, they talk, or he talked with his sheep. And they got used to him. You see, if you and I keep ourselves nourished in God's word, we will know his voice. We will follow the master because we have a relationship with him. And when we speak, we'll understand who is speaking. And if another voice speaks, we will not follow. We will simply listen to the shepherd because of the relationship that we have with him, the relationship he has with us. Now we come to the second point of Jesus, the gate of heaven. Number two. Jesus, the gate of heaven, declared himself to be the gate found in verses 7 through 10. Verse 7 says this, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Once more, 
Jesus refers to I am. When he says, I am the gate, I am, is God's name that we find in the Old Testament. Remember the story. Moses sat, uh, stood in front of the burning bush. And when God spoke to him and told him to go down to Egypt and speak to Pharaoh, Moses asked God that question. Who should I tell them sent me? And God said, tell them I am has sent you. And once again, Jesus is identifying himself with the great I am because he is the great I am. Notice the shepherd now replaces the watchman at the gate. But Jesus even goes one step further. Not only is he the shepherd at the door, but he is also the door. He is the gate. Here is the picture that Jesus is painting for his listeners. In Eastern society, the shepherd would sit and sleep at the pen entrance, keeping out the predators or the thieves, and that would bring, that would bring harm to the sheep, or keeping out the sheep that were not his. No one could come in or go out unless it went through the shepherd. Thus, Jesus declared himself to be the gate for everyone. And no man cometh unto the Father except through me. I want you to think about Jesus is the only one. He is the only gate. He is the door. If a thief or a robber wanted to come in, they would have to climb over the wall. Then they would have to deceive the sheep into in some way so that they wouldn't be bleeding. And remember, the shepherd is there to guard the sheep and he is ready to defend them. For that's what the shepherd does. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. The parameters and the boundaries are set. No person can come to heaven unless they go through Christ. There is only one way and one way only. In our daily bread um, devotional um, Back a number of years ago, it quoted this. Let me read for you the one individual who was writing this. He says, I was riding with a retired Air Force officer, Wally Hall. We were approaching the guard house at the entrance of Wurtsmith Air Force Base in Oskoda, Michigan. Wally was about to give me a, my first tour of a military base. I wondered how I would get in. Would they ask me a lot of questions and make me wait until they checked me out through security? When he, when we arrived at the gate, a burly sergeant waved us through without hesitation. How did we get in so quickly? I asked Wally. He said, the sticker. He said, pointing to the decal on the corner of the car windshield, it lets me in and my guests in onto the base. Because I was with Wally, who had previous clearance, I could get through the gate with no difficulty. This made me think about getting into heaven. On my own, I wouldn't stand a chance. I do not deserve the right and I can never earn it. But when I trusted Jesus as my Savior, I became identified with him. Because I am in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, I have free access to God's favor in this life and a sure hope of entering heaven's glory. Close quote. Wow. There's an old saying. It's not what you know, but who you know. And that holds true also for entering heaven. It's not what we know, it's who we know, and the one who paid the price for those who put their faith in him, and his name is Jesus. This now brings us to the next step. Jesus, the gate of heaven, number three, declares himself to be the good shepherd who lays down his life, declares himself to be the good shepherd who lays down his life, verses 11 through 14. Jesus is not just any kind of shepherd, but he is the good shepherd. D.A. Carson writes this, Many people 
in the industrialized West, though not Australians, are inclined to think of the shepherds as sentimental beings, perhaps somewhat effeminate, with their arms full of cuddly lambs, and the English adjective good does nothing to dissuade us from these misconceptions. But the shepherd's job was tiring, manly, and sometimes dangerous, close quote. Okay, here. The picture that we sometimes see painted of Jesus in a nice clean robe as holding a cuddly little sheep can be somewhat deceiving. The shepherds, the shepherd was a rugged individual whose life was not easy and he lived with a sheep and he smelt like a sheep. That's why the sheep Know his voice. Now, Jesus, who is the good shepherd, is contrasted with the person who is the hired hand. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus does not just risk his life. He lays it down. The hired hand is is only there because he's being paid. He has no real love for the sheep. When the danger comes and his life is threatened, he gets up and he runs, leaving the sheep in danger. Then the wolf attacks and scatters the sheep, and Jesus is not like the hired hand. He is the shepherd and the owner of the sheep. The shepherd does not give up his life as an example, but because the sheep are in mortal danger. That alone makes him the good shepherd because he went and carried the cross on our behalf so we could have eternal life. No one does that for the lost, depraved sinner. Only Christ could, would, and did that for us. I want you to know something, notice something vital in verses 11 and 15 and 17. Jesus states that he lays down his life for his sheep three times. Three times. Never forget Jesus paid with his life to bring us back into the relationship with God. It cost God the life of his precious son to deliver us from hell, the lake of fire, total damnation, and separation from God. That's why Jesus is the good shepherd. Patrick Morley in A Man in the Mirror tells about a group a fisherman who landed on a secluded bay in Alaska and had a great day for fishing for salmon. But when they returned to their seaplane, it was aground because of the fluctuating tide. They had no option except to wait until the next morning till the tide tides came in. But when they took off, they only got a few feet off the ground and then they crashed down into the sea. Being aground the day before had punctured one of the platoons, and it had filled with water. The sea plane slowly began to sink. The three men and the twelve-year-old son of one of them, Mark, prayed and then jumped into the icy water to swim to shore. The water was so cold and the riptide was, was so strong that Two of the men reached the shore exhausted. They looked back, and their companion, who was also a strong swimmer, did not swim to shore because his 12-year-old son wasn't strong enough to make it. They saw that father with his arms around his son being swept out to sea. He chose to die with his son rather than to live without him. Close quote. In the same way, Jesus chose to die, to lay down his life for you and me so that we could have eternal life. That's why he is not just the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who laid down his life. This brings us to The last fact. Jesus, the gate of heaven, number four, has other sheeps not in this fold, verses 16 through 18. Has other sheeps not in this fold. Verse 16 says this. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. 
I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Close quote. So the question is, who is Jesus referring to? When Jesus came into the world, he went to the Jews first, and then to the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. Jesus' ministry focused around the Jews, but they also came but he also came to give eternal life to the world, John 3.16. Thus the sheep in his fold were from Judaism, and the sheep not of his pen at this time were the Gentiles, which would be coming and following. This means that you and I, that we are the other sheep that he has also called. And I'm so glad that Christ came for us He came for the world. He included us. He knew us even before the foundations of the world was laid, the scriptures tell us. So what is God speaking to your heart today from his word? First, Jesus is the gateway or the doorway to heaven. He is the only way to the Father and to eternity. Second, Jesus is the good shepherd. He cares and looks after his sheep. He is actively seeking other lost sheep, and he is drawing those to himself. Our responsibility is to follow closely by listening to his voice, by reading his word daily, and seeking him in prayer. Then we will live a life of fulfillment, a life of abundance, as John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us, serving him as we serve the church. I close with a story from D. Hill's book, entitled 1010, which is John 1010, and it's life to the fullest or life in abundance. He tells this story. Listen as I close with it. My wife and I took a trip to the Amazon jungle in Brazil early in our marriage. The day we arrived, we met Nelson, an animated, relational local who oozed with enthusiasm for his life, for life. He is the one, he's one of those people who make you tired just watching him talk. Still, his enthusiasm won us over to join him on an all-day jungle trek. He was a trained guide for this type of trips. A pioneer, if you will. He told us that if we would join him for this all-day hike, we would have an experience of a lifetime. We would see some of God's most beautiful and, and untouched creation, he promised, and we would be transported into a world full of beauty, mystery, intrigue. It was too good of an opportunity to pass by, and we signed up on the spot. It wasn't until the day of the hike that the, that Nelson finally told us the other half. He had recruited a group of six brave tourists, and we were all excited and ready. But as we geared up for the starting line, Nelson suddenly got serious and gave us a little talk about the dangers that would await us on the journey ahead. Dangers, shouted one of the travelers in the group. You didn't say anything about dangers. What kind of dangers are there? Nelson began to list them. Poisonous plants, unstable cliffs, and native wildlife that was aggressive and instinctively hostile. The excitement we all felt quickly began to be replaced by anxiety. Nelson looked over the faces of the group, paused, and then burst out with one of his big trademark smiles. What are you all so worried about, he said. I know every part of the forest. If you stay close to me, you will have absolutely nothing to fear. 
I will lead you. I will protect you. Just stay close to me and you will have the adventure of your life. And then he says this, we took Nelson at his word. And that was exactly what happened that day, close quote. That is what Jesus is saying to you and me today. Just stay close to me and you will have an abundant life. You will walk with me and you will have the adventure of your life. But you must stay close to me. What a wonderful promise Jesus has given to us. For he is the gateway to heaven and he is the good shepherd. For a closing number, let's sing together when we all get to heaven. with this benediction found in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 20 and 21. What a powerful benediction this is. It says this, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.